just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Hey everybody, Jack here. Um, so we had fully intended on recording as we normally do last week to post today. And then I went and got COVID and was sick for close to two weeks. And I did not feel like recording at all or moving or doing anything because I felt horrible. So instead, we are going to air the very first time Kenyatta and I recorded together when she was a guest on my Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is the one that started it all when we realized we've got something here. So, if you haven't heard this one, I hope you enjoy it. If you have heard this one, I hope you enjoy it a second time. Thanks a lot, and we'll be back to our normal recording next week, because I am back to mostly normal. All right? Bye. Hello, and welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack. And I have the ADD mind. Joining me today is a very special guest, Kenyatta. Like myself, she grew up a military dependent, lived on Tinker Air Force Base. It's been a while since we've talked in person, but she agreed to come on. And she's going to talk about what it was like growing up on a military base as an African American. Because her perspective will be different than mine. A white guy. So, say hello, Kenyatta. Hello, everybody, and thank you again, Jack, for having me on. I'm hoping this is, I'm pretty certain this will be a very interesting conversation. So. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because yeah. I like everybody's perspective and I'm interested in hearing yours. All righty. So, why don't you start off and tell me when it was that you guys first moved to Tinker? Well, and I'm trying to get my dates right because my dad was actually stationed there when he met my mother. Oh. So they actually got married in January of 73. I, I showed up in October. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow, that was fast. <laughs> and then they... Um, productive honeymoon. Wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they um, We PCS'd out to Syracuse, which was Hancock. Air base, which no longer exists, but we were there, I want to say, up until I was in second grade, mm -hmm. or almost second grade, and then we came back here, so that would have made it, oh, geez, eight, seven? 1979, 80 Somewhere in the early 80s, I want to say, we came back to Tinker, and we didn't come on, we stayed in an apartment off base for a year or so. And then moved on base and stayed there st uh, consistently up until about 1994. So did you guys live in the the older one-story houses 
off of Twining, or did you live in the uh, larger, like, four-bedroom houses? I don't remember. We actually were on Lawrence Drive, so those were the ones... Like, we lived on the end. We had a one-story. There was, like, okay. you know how they had, like, four of them? Yeah, interconnected. yeah. Yeah. So it was so the one-stories lived... with two uh, upper story, two stories in the middle? Right. Okay, yeah, that was the side of the base that I lived on. Yeah, that's where we were. So, yeah, we stayed on one of the end units with yeah. the uh, two bedrooms. Those are still there. They've remodeled them. They're nicer. They have garages now. And... I've seen pictures. I'm a little jealous. And, and the, <laughs> the one you had, they've even added on a second or a third bedroom to them. So, that is absolutely wild. And then the, the old one-story houses, they tore all of that down. And then they built new houses. Oh. So Tinker is, uh, for those of you that aren't military dependents, is rare because it dealt, deals with the AWACS plane. And a lot of times when you get stationed at Tinker, you never go anywhere else. It is rare in the military to go to elementary and graduate high school with people. And there's like, I don't know, what, about 10 of us did that, went through elementary and graduated together. And that's rare in the military. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, now that we've established all the great times at Tinker, I mean, I'm sure that we could go into all sorts of things that we probably don't want to incriminate ourselves with. <laughs> we, we don't want our fathers to get in trouble retroactively. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> so how about, let me get your perspective on, you know, what it was like growing up. Did, did you feel that, I don't know, that parents were treated you different, kids treated you different? Yeah, heck, even the SPs treated you different. Is there any, any way that you felt that maybe you were not treated in the same way that like your your white friends were it's hard to say because you see something happening especially when you have run-ins with the sps or something like that or some authority figure and maybe there's like a mixed group of you like a handful or black kids and maybe a couple of asians and maybe you know it's usually in this case i think it was majority white kids that we had on the base but, like, if you were all, like, happened to be messing around somewhere together and you came across some kind of authority figure, there would be instances where the white kids would seemingly get a bigger benefit of a doubt when we all said, and we would always say, we weren't, do we weren't doing nothing, we didn't do that. But it was the white kids that usually got the bigger benefit of doubt. And it wasn't like anybody was outright mean or abusive or anything like that to any of us, but you could tell the difference in... Mm -hmm the level of basic courtesy that they got sometimes. And like I said, it wasn't yeah. overt. Right. But it, w it was just something that, you know, later on in the day you sit there and be like, well, did that just happen? No, that's not what that was. Yeah. And then you just keep going. But then, you know, stuff starts to happen. And right. it's, it's now you keep on a running record of, okay, this happened again. Yeah. Is it is this what I think it is? Yeah. So it's it's tricky trying to trying to tell the difference between – is this actually happening or is it just, am I just overreading or am I just reading it wrong right? or overthinking it? I guess I could see looking back where something like that, now that I think about it, would happen sort of in on like my part of the, so it's really weird on bases because you tend to hang out with the kids that are like a, like a two, you know, like a two block sort of radius. Mm -hmm. and you know, everybody because you all right. go to school together, but you sort of tend to hang out with the people that are the closest to you. Mm -hmm. And I guess now that I think about it, there were some times where 
some droopy parents would occasionally call the SPs if we were being a little rowdy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe there was, you know, just maybe like a slight questioning more of another, of somebody, now that I think about it. Like I said, it's, it, was, it, was hard to, it was hard to put, a, put an explanation to it in the moment. Right. But um, as time goes on and you look back and you deal with things currently that ring a bell, it's like, why does this look familiar? Like, something like this happened X amount of years ago. And right. then you're like, oh, that's what that was? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of feeling. You're like, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember Andre Taylor? I do. Okay. I live next to Andre. And okay. We hung out a lot. Now, Andre was two years older than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, two grades older than us. Mm-hmm. And I always felt he kind of got shafted because there were no kids his age close, so he had to hang out with a bunch of younger kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so we always, we hung out all the time with Andre and his little brother. Well, he had two little brothers, but his youngest brother, Marcus, um, he was a great little kid and he liked to, uh, he loved wrestling. <laughs> and he would, he would get all the kids, even though we were all like five or six older years older than him. And he, uh-huh. he would organize these fake wrestling tournaments in our front yard. <laughs> and, oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was just so cool because he was so much younger than us. And he'd just, like, get all of us big kids doing all this fake WWE in the front yard. <laughs> I don't know why that sounds familiar unless somebody else was doing it, too, on our street. Well, maybe maybe you guys came and watched. Maybe, because, I mean, that's that's how it really ended up. You just went from street to street and block to block just to see who was out and who was doing what. Yeah, yeah. Or we meet, or we meet up at the youth center, or the shop at, or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, of course, we're old school enough on Tinker that we remember when that shop at was Tinker Burger. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah, I'm playing. Wow. It had that spy uh, video game. What was it? Spy versus Spy or something like that. It was the racing car. Yeah, I love that game. I actually got pretty good at that until I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we'd uh, go hang out at the bowling alley, except for on like Friday or Saturday nights, because that's when all of the uh, the airmen from the barracks would go over. Or at least my mom wouldn't let me go over there. You don't, you don't want to be around those drunk airmen. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if your parents were the same way. <laughs> Not really. Um, like the like the girls that I hung out with, we I want to say we stayed closer to home, but we just it, well I'll take it back. We really did. We stayed closer to home. We had like a lot of sleepovers, mm-hmm. and like a lot of said, going up to the youth center, taking that back way past the youth center all the way back over to um officer side. Yeah, stuff like that. So we didn't. I don't think as as a rule of thumb, we didn't spend a whole bunch of time at the bowling alley. Yeah, we. I'll say that it was during the day, mm-hmm. and then of course the old Tinker Movie Theater. You go on oh, Saturday yeah. and get a hot dog, a drink, and the movie for like a dollar fifty. Oh gosh, those, those were the days, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, and then of course you had to stand up for the for the anthem. Yeah, oh yeah. If if you've never been to a movie on a military base, there's a national anthem before the movie, and you have to stand up and put your hand on your heart mm-hmm. while they while they do it. Fun time. <laughs> And I just, I, I distinctly remember they had the worst copy of whatever whatever film reel they were showing, like the patriotic scenes and stuff with the flag and all that jazz. Yeah. That film was like in the worst condition ever. It was popping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I was, like every time we saw it, it got worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, I'm just waiting for it to burst into flame one night. Just 
Yeah. It was horrible. But I had some sad news. So <laughs> uh, my job, I work in historic preservation, which deals with the preservation of buildings. Mm-hmm. And so anytime uh, Tinker does any sort of work on buildings that are over 45 years old, they have to get clearance through my office. Mm-hmm. And they did this big survey of buildings that they're going to tear down. And the movie theater is one of them. No way. Yeah, the the Izzard Pool also. Uh, I was wow. like I was like, "No, you're going to have to send them a letter and tell them that this is not acceptable and they can't do it. It's ruining my childhood." Absolutely. Have <laughs> <Not> the nerve. <laughs> I was like, "Those bastards." <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> yeah. And I I've, I've 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 had it in my head for years to come home and uh get on base and then take a little tour around just to see how it's changed in 25 years. But what do I do if the theater's not there? What What's the point? <laughs> exactly. My son actually was in the Air Force, and so he took me on Tinker. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, driving him around, and I can tell that he's getting bored to tears. And I'm like, Duncan, I don't care, son. Brought you into this world. You're going to drive me around Tinker until I'm tired. <laughs> Basically. Because I was, I was trying to get my kid to come. And she was like, she was like, eh. I was like, really? You got some nerve. <laughs> so that I was, was a nice ADD tangent that we went on, which is I know, <laughs> which, is, which is fitting for the title of my show. <laughs> <laughs> that completely went off track, but that's okay. We digressed. Yes, we're back now. Fun. Yes, yes, we're, we're back, back now. Okay, we're back to the topic. Serenity now. Time to get serious. Okay. So, of course, we had we went to elementary which was on tinker and then we went to junior high which was off base and we were bust there did uh-huh. you ever feel that there was any sort of difference in treatment when we were in junior high and high school because i don't know if i necessarily noticed it but once again i i don't think it was something that i really ever looked for mm, it wasn't anything that i looked for but when it came up it was surprising because, you know, for those of us that went all the way straight through while living either on Tinker or somewhere in the area, we were kind of insulated right. on elementary school. So it was just us. Mm-hmm. And then we get out, you know, to Jarman and then the Midwest City High and you start seeing, I think there was a little um, clickishness for the kids that came off of Tinker and then the kids that came off of other elementary schools. Mm-hmm. So they kind of looked at us like, hmm. We were like, what? And of course, you know, we were the brats and whatever, whatever. But, you know, by like eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade, that kind of went out the window. But um, there were just like some instances where like a kid would say something off color right. to me or to one of my friends. And he thought, you know, they, he or she, it was usually, it was usually boys. I don't know what that means, but it was usually a boy. And he would say something off color. And he'd laugh like it was some kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the minute one of us reacted to it, it was, oh, I'm just kidding. Y'all are just, y'all are just being sensitive. It was just a joke, blah, 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 blah. Right. But there was always an instance, you know, not always, but, and it got a little more frequent as the years went on up through high school. Somebody would say something disrespectful or distasteful or... They would make a crack about, you know, some some stereotypical viewpoint they had about black people or Asian people or things like right. that. 
<clears throat> and again, they would say it because, you know, they're thinking it's funny or they absolutely believe it. Right. And then they got called on and it was like, oh, they would, you know, they would put it back on the other person saying, you're just, you're just um, being sensitive. That's not what I meant. I'm just joking. And the thing of it was, they weren't. They actually believe this kind of stuff. Right. And so wherever they heard it from, you know, I guess they had, they felt like they had seen enough to make that true. So it was just kind of a sideways way of insulting people, but you hiding behind the whole, oh, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. Right. Yeah. No, hmm. that's always the way that, I mean, not just that. You'll see it in like abusive relationships too, where sure the abuser will say something crappy and then. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's- Unfortunately, some of the areas around Jarman, especially, Mm -hmm. were probably a little more white trash. (laughs) Maybe we realized at the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not making excuses, but some you believe kind of what your parents believe, and that might have been part of it. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure. About it, and then, you know, once we all graduated and, and made it all to high school, now we've got even more kids coming from other parts of the city. Yeah. And we're getting even more kind of viewpoints. And like I said, again, there wasn't anything outright disrespectful. I do remember that huge gang fight that happened junior year. Junior year? I think it was the junior year or something. Somebody, some racial slur was apparently thrown around. It was a huge fight in the hallways. So, wow. I, I, must, yeah. I must have been sick that day. I don't, I don't remember that. I want to say it was sophomore, junior year. It was somewhere in there because I knew a couple of guys right. involved in it. But Knowing my luck, I was having a class that was in like C-Wing and it was an A-Wing or something like that. I completely missed out on all of the fun. Yeah, I remember I heard about it after the fact, and I was like, "What? What? What happened?" And I, you know, and you know how rumors go. It could have, it could have been anything. Yeah, that started it. But what I heard was a white guy called a black guy a racial slur, and then it's chaos. Some people got expelled. Blah 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 blah. So that was probably the most egregious example I can find of any kind of racial, so-called racial conflict mm-hmm. in school. Right. So. It was always weird for me, because growing up on military bases, probably more times than not, the kids that I played with, you know, were were black. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just how, because you don't control who lives next to you. Mm-hmm. So when I moved, you know, as I got older and I realized that that wasn't necessarily how the rest of the world worked, it was kind of a, not like a shock. It was just like, wow. That's different. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> so, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, actually, even even today, my best friend in the world, Ralph, I, I think I can say this with confidence. Ralph is black. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Ralph and I, like, we'll talk on the phone. And when we're getting off the phone, we don't just say, like, bye. We always end it with, I love you, brother. Because that's how mm. we, like, view each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's just weird when I see people that are so superficial. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not liking somebody for, you know, skin color is stupid. It, it, it's, 
ooh, I don't want to go too far. But <laughs> no, I, no, I understand. You know, I just, I don't know. I just think that once you get to know a person a little bit, if they're like a giant asshole, they'll give you a reason not to like them that's generally like a real reason to not like a person. Right. Get to know exactly. them first and then decide if you don't like them. Yeah, it's just, just it's, um, I mean, I'm trying to gather my thoughts. It just, it just blows my mind to see, and especially once you get to our age, right? To see people so willfully ignorant mm-hmm. of the world that they live in, yeah, and the people that surround them, yeah. And the thing of it is, and I've, I've, I've done. I'm like you, not to the extent where I'll just focus on something so hard that I'll lose track of everything else, but like certain topics. Especially when it comes to like socio-political type things, right? Certain topics will grab my interest, and I'll go research the heck out of them because like I have I have questions that need answers, mm-hmm. and if even if I don't tell it to anybody else, I just need to know. Yeah. So that was one of those things that from time to time over the years, I'll, I'll go back and I'll start reading up on certain certain things. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading an article some years ago about how most white people from birth through their lives until death well I won't say most uh, a large number of white people can go through their entire lives without encountering any other ethnic group they all Mm -hmm. grow up around white people live around white people work with white people and never encounter any person of color black people and other ethnic minorities will almost always have to encounter white people right and I found it interesting that for all of us that live in a country where the predominant viewpoint is that of the white community, that's what we've been exposed to for most of our lives. Mm-hmm. So when I see, you know, social media comments, people talking about uh, some well-meaning white person saying, I I want to feel like an ally and I'm trying to do what I can to to make sure – you know, we can live in harmony, and, and I'm trying to do everything I can and, and read and understand these things. But then at the end, they'll almost always want to reach out to a person of color. Right. Well, can you explain this to me? No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the trick about it. You've lived a whole, most of your life not encountering other people, but what you've seen on, you know, TV and media and things. Right. And that's usually the wrong idea. Right. And just like you said... Once you you get involved intimately with someone that's not in your ethnic group, you learn you learn that you're dealing with another human being, basically. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I just think everybody wants they want to be loved. They want to love somebody. They want their children to have their wants and needs met. Mm-hmm. And if we can agree on that first, but unfortunately, people are dicks and they don't do things that way. It's incredibly frustrating. It just it bothers me to think that Ralph, because he's my he's my best friend, mm-hmm. but not just Ralph, substitute anybody. But in my case, Ralph. Mm-hmm. If he was driving in some small town in Oklahoma and some cop was like, that's a black guy driving a Subaru. That doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, and pulls him over. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have to I shouldn't have to have thoughts about how that could be bad for Ralph for no good reason. Absolutely. And to piggyback on that, just, no, stop. I'm sorry, I'm talking to my cat. He's trying to jump on my desk. 
um, <laughs> is as parents, you know, there's certain certain stages in our kids' lives that we sit down and we have the talks with them. Right. And and there's no exaggeration to say that, especially for parents of black children, we have to have a different kind of talk. See, I I, I didn't have to have that talk with my kids at all. And see, that's the thing. It's fortunate that you didn't have to because it's not it's not an expectation that you have that your kid is going to go out and have a negative and possibly fatal encounter with law enforcement. Right. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, it can be. It can happen. Yeah. And and the thing of it is is that it's it makes me angry when collectively we say these things that we have to have the talk that um you know, we've had instances where we go in stores and we get followed around by the employees or mm-hmm. security or whoever, whoever. We say these things that happen to us on a regular basis so much so that sometimes we don't even notice it anymore. And right. then we get told, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, you're over-exaggerating. That doesn't really happen. You, and the thing of it is you can't say it doesn't happen because it didn't happen to you. Right. That <laughs> and that's that probably – Right, and that's probably one of the biggest obstacles, I think, in coming to common ground. Right. About when people talk white privilege to me, that's sort of more. I think what people really mean, and most white people don't realize, is that I don't even know if seventy-five percent of white people know that that conversation has to take. Mm-hmm. And that is the white privilege that's being talked about. And I think most white people, when they hear that especially on the like the conservative side, I think they think that it's like some sort of, I I walk into a place and they accept my coupon and they don't accept the black. You know, it's just, I can't fully explain it properly, but it's stuff like that that I think a large portion of white people don't realize. You know, you I, think a, I think a lot of the, the blowback I see is that they think that they've gotten a, a leg up They've got something extra, and they claim that they don't. And it's true. They don't per se, but one of the things that won't ever get in their way as they go on their day-to-day life is their ethnic background. Right. That's the privilege. Right. So whereas, let's say, you get pulled over by the police for a clock in, you know, 10 miles and over on going down the street. Right. You know, He's going to do his job, and he may end up giving you a ticket, but that scenario just may play out a little bit different for me. Right. And that's the thing that I'm going to be thinking about when I get stopped. That's not something that you would necessarily think about. You see what I'm saying? Oh, no. I, no, I understand. I'll, I will give you a funny story. And let me and let me just say I'm not explaining that to you. I'm just explaining right. that to the, to the in general. Yeah. Right. So when I was in the <laughs> Army, I was driving home getting off shift. And I was tired. I wasn't paying attention. I was speeding. And I looked up and there were lights behind me. And I was like, Heather, my wife. I'm like, she's going to kill me. And so I put the most pained expression that I can on my face. (laughs) And when the cop comes over, I hand him my driver's license and my insurance card. And I'm like, officer, I know I was speeding, but I have to shit really bad. And (laughs) (laughs) And he looked at me and he goes, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, I don't want to 
stop you. And he gave me my license back. And he's like, just go to the speed limit. And he followed me home. So I'm like, <laughs> I got, uh, so I was like, I got to do like, you know, that got to get to the bathroom, quick run to the door. Mm-hmm. So I probably got away with that excuse. Honestly, because I'm white. <laughs> and and, th- and it, that is funny. <laughs> that is funny to me. But when, like you said, I can maybe tell some kind of story like that. Or maybe some quote-unquote female trouble story. I may get a pass. I may not. Right. And and that's the thing about it is, and I'm, and I'll I'll stop myself here because I'm I'm about to digress. Um, did you ever see the movie Get Out? Is that the oh? Is that the one where um black dude has the white wife go visit the family and then they're like serial killers? Is that it? Turn yes, like he's a, a um, movie? yes, he's um. He goes to meet his white girlfriend's parents, right. who are, you know, upper middle class, uh, weeping liberal types. Mm-hmm. And at first, when he meets them, he thinks they're just, you know, overzealous. Like the dad says, "I would have voted for Obama a third time if I could," and mm-hmm. you know, they're just they're gushing all over him. Like we're so happy that you're here. We're especially, you know, they're hyping up everything black about him or hyping up they're just hyping up how much they love black people in general but their so-called love for black people actually entails body snatching so and I won't ruin it for you because it's an excellent movie but part of that movie that resonates I think is for especially for a lot of black folks was when the early parts of the film when he's meeting his girlfriend's family and friends and they're going on and on about, you know, oh, I, I read how black people are, are perfect athletes because they have the physique, you know, to, to do outstanding uh, performances in sports and all these stereotypical things right? that, you know, we've heard years, you know, for years about black people. And he's sitting there staring at these people like, are they for real? And he's like, okay, are these people being genuine with me? Right. Or are they patronizing me, or am I just overthinking it? And that's his thought process up until a certain part right. of the movie. And that's, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, how it is for a lot of us just out here in the world. See, that sort of leads to something that I struggle with. So, like, well, let's just say the uh, George Floyd. Mm-hmm. You know, there were the riots and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm in this weird sort of conundrum thing of. I feel like if I all of a sudden start saying stuff that I feel like I'm pandering, you know what I mean? That it's not genuine because I'm only saying it because something has happened and I don't want to look like, oh, hey, look, I'm not racist. But at the same time, I want to say something as well. And I get stuck in this weird like feedback loop of of like not knowing. And so I just end up not doing anything. <laughs> and it's not that it's not that like I I don't want to. I'm just I don't want to appear like I'm just saying it because it's like the thing to say at the moment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think you have the same the same viewpoint that a lot of um, white folks do. They want to be allies. They want to be sympathetic. They want to be involved. They want to have those conversations, but they're not sure what they can or should say or if it's overstepping if they do say it. Right. So, no, I mean, I understand perfectly what you're saying. I, I just and, feel like. The best but thing I, I, I can do is start out as someone's friend. Exactly. And, and go from there. 
and just like you were saying about you and your friend Ralph, he's your friend. He's another human being. That's where it mm-hmm. starts. Yeah. And and really, that's where it stops. Yeah. You're dealing with another human being. Everything else is just a matter of genetics and coincidence, so on and so forth. Yeah. We're all you are all human beings here, and those kinds of differences that we're born with, they're meant to be celebrated and explored. Ex- I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I know what <laughs> you're saying. To- that our differences are are what make us everybody special. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you see a toddler laughing, it doesn't matter what color that toddler is laughing. A toddler laughing is like one of the greatest things on the planet. Oh my god! Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like I, I, I get the chills. It's like that's like. God's music to me, it really is. Yeah, or when it, you when you see two people that are like, this makes me sound corny, and I don't know if I've even admitted this to my like my wife or something. <laughs> so you'll find out now. <laughs> that's right. And this this is a first. I always think that one of the coolest things that you can see are like when someone's getting married in their wedding pictures, and it's joy, like that pure joy, because it's like I'm marrying like the person that I love more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And it sounds dumb, but sometimes based on wedding pictures, I can look at it and be like, they're going to get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't have like, it's like that joy. There's something like deeper. Is that making sense? It does. It's and like, it doesn't matter who it is, you know, white, mm-hmm. black, two dudes, two girls, whatever. When you see that, I think it's great. There, that That's the end of Sappy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that that wasn't long enough at all. <laughs> no, I, I, I see what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And it just it doesn't matter. I, I don't know. I just think when you see someone in a pure joy, that that's like one of the best things that you can see. And and that's the thing about it, it is like you can see those moments of joy in the most unexpected places. Yeah. And I'm gonna digress again um and and i'm not i'm not one of those people that's like especially geeky over celebrities Mm -hmm. but um i remember years ago when beyonce first announced her first pregnancy Mm -hmm. and she was on stage at some award show and she had this real cute outfit on with the jacket and she unbuttoned the jacket to show her little baby belly Mm -hmm. and she rubbed her belly and then she smiled yeah that was one of those moments of joy i was like (gasps) I was watching it at home, and I was like, oh, my gosh, look at her yeah. face. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like that. I'm like, that's incredible. And like I said, I'm, I'm by no means like a huge fan. I like her enough, but it was just like that, those kinds of moments. Yeah. Like, it's like, wow. <laughs> you just reminded me of something. When I was in the Army, I got into this massive argument with these three black dudes that were also soldiers. And there was a Tony Braxton song that was playing. And I said, oh, my God, Tony Braxton is so hot. <laughs> and the one guy looked at me and he goes, I can't think Tony Braxton's hot. And I'm like, why? And he's like, you're white. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, she's black. And I'm like, I know. She's still hot. Hot can come in lots of different colors there, pal. Absolutely. <laughs> and they were like, no, you can't like Tony Braxton. And I'm like, I damn sure can. And I do. <laughs> Tony Braxton, if you're listening. I hate to tell you this. I'm happily married. But if you want to support me on Patreon, feel free. <laughs> please, please do. Please yes. do. 
Please do. <laughs> also, anyway. I have two. I have two words. Brad Pitt. That's what I got. That's what I got. There you go. Hot knows no color limits. Absolutely. And we just hmm. ADD'd again. Absolutely. <laughs> this is, I don't know, I think maybe more conversations like this probably need to take us in this country right now. If we got enough people to put aside their own egos, and I think that's another part. I mean, there's, there's so many prongs to, the, to why these, mm -hmm. these reconciliations are so hard to come to. But another part of it is, too, I think that... Uh, when we talk about things like white privilege, um, it's a—it's not even a mindset per se. It's just a standard for mm -hmm. how people are treated in this country, and it's been here since in its, its inception. But when you right. say that to some white people, they take offense to it. Right. They take—they take it personal. You know, getting past taking stuff personal as needs to happen as well in order to have these kind of honest conversations. Mm -hmm. We're not—you know—when we say. When those kinds of things are said, it's not like we're trying to pick on white people individually, per se. Right. We're saying, hey, this thing is happening, and we need you to see it. Yeah. And when you see it and acknowledge you don't have to own it. Nobody's telling you to do that. Just see it, acknowledge it exists, and don't we do can it. go from there. And don't, and don't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's, you're exactly right. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. That's what I'm saying. Try to, the first place you need to start is that's a person. Mm-hmm. And if you needed a kidney transplant, you were going to die without a kidney transplant. And they called you up and said, hey, we have a matching kidney. Are you going to be like, well, was that a, did it come from a white person? That's the only thing <laughs> I wanted. See what I'm saying? If, our, yes. if everybody's internal organs match, what's on the outside is just, you know, the superficial part. Get to know somebody. It really is. If they're a dick, you'll find out. And then don't like them. <laughs> yep. I've, I've, I've never... I've never seen where bad well, personality flaws are not um, ethnic and gender specific. Exactly. Anybody can get those. Exactly. And just like you said, that just being black or Korean or Filipino or whatever, whatever, that's not ju being just that, something for which you have no control over, that's not enough of a reason to be hated. But yet yeah. it persists. Yeah, and, and the the ill logic blows my mind. Yeah, no, I'd, I'm there with you. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of weird. I don't I don't know if it's weird. So my wife and I did did ancestry.com DNA tests. Mm -hmm. We were just you know sort of curious, and just as I suspected, I'm as white as they come. <laughs> it, it, it's all the British Isles and Scandinavia for me, except where I am one percent Turkish. One percent who? Turkish. Oh, yeah, interesting. I know that. Who knows where that came from? I don't know. But my wife got hers back, and her percentage she had um, it was like maybe three or four, five percent, something like that. But it was it was black. And her mom, Yay. she got her mom one, and her mom's was higher than hers. Mm. And so my wife then started doing some genealogy, and it turned out that. I don't know the number of great-grandparents. I, I couldn't tell you, you know, six times, seven times, five times. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But he was, it turns out, somebody that had been um, a slave and came to the Indian Territory um, on the Trail of Tears. 
Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and you know, my wife is the whitest woman you will ever see. She actually <laughs> is um, on loan with Will Rogers World Airport if there's ever a power outage. Stop it. She goes and stands <laughs> in a pair of shorts and then the planes are able to come and land. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> I love you, honey. <laughs> but no, we just found that interesting and that just my point is it goes to show you that you can't look at somebody and know their genetic makeup. No. You know, we're all closer related than you think. And mm-hmm. and if you're also European, there's a there's a solid chance that you might have up to one percent Neanderthal DNA. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So think about that. <laughs> but anyway, that was just sort of my point that you can never tell what somebody's makeup is. So judge people by the person. Yeah, and and it's amazing how all those stereotypes that you you hear about or you know, see portrayed in the media or on in entertainment, all that stuff pretty much is null and void mm-hmm. once you actually get to know a person. Right. Yeah. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think Hollywood and I'm going to say this about all of Hollywood, like Hollywood that is, you know, written, you know, by white people, but even shows and sitcoms that are a lot of times um, also written, you know, by a black person. I feel like mm-hmm. their goal almost is to like pander to white people in a way. Does that make sense? Because like, yes, I feel like Frank Jones show, you know, and he's a, you know, about his black family, but I feel like they want to almost whitewash it <laughs> so that white people will watch the show. Does that make yeah. sense? In, in a lot of ways it does, and you're right. That, um, I'm trying to think of an example where that, that happens, where they have to introduce, especially when the primary cast is black, and then, you know, season two or three or something, all of a sudden they just introduce a couple of random white folks. Right. Because, you know, now we need to, we need some diversity. You know, that's what they're saying in the writer's room. It's like, that's not what it is at all. And it goes both ways, too. Like, be a show and, well, you know, we have to have have a friend who's black. And I'm not saying that there aren't friend groups that are like that. I just always feel like pandering when it's done. (laughs) Yeah, they'll bring in, you know, the sassy black friend. Right. (laughs) It has no life except to advise her best white girlfriend, you know, on who to date and whether or not she should take that internship over the summer. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those, and not to, not to jump off subject, but that's one of those kind of stereotypical tropey things mm-hmm. that from our side of it, we'll see that stuff a lot in TV yeah. shows and movies where the black person or the person of color is not set up or or has no depth as a real character. They're yeah. just there to assist or help or, you know, be an echo chamber for the main right. character. Strangely enough, I feel like sometimes it happens on, you know, all black cast shows too, and I feel like it's because they want to pander to a white audience. Mm-hmm. It works the same in reverse to, to an extent. It does. It does. And sometimes it's done, like you said, some pandering, but it's also to broaden the viewership you know how many more people can we get to watch if we add in you know the new white next door neighbors or something like that because it's a catch-22 if you want your show to continue you have to have viewership (laughs) and if 
no one's watching your show. It's like, well, what do we do to make people watch the show? So, like this, like that old trope, like when you have shows that have younger kids, and through the years the kids get older, and then like season six, they bring in some four-year-old. Yeah, or she's <laughs> pregnant. You know, yeah. The kids are all of a sudden all in junior high, and uh-oh, we're pregnant. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that happens all the time, too. We're looking at all you, family ties. We're looking at you, Growing Pains. <laughs> <laughs> Roseanne. Mm. I don't know if it happened on Roseanne. Heavens to Betsy. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Have the kids. Hmm. You know what? I want to see a sitcom where they have kids, they go to college, and then <clears> the parents <throat> become empty nesters, and they start going to restaurants at 5 o'clock because you beat traffic that way, and they're getting and they their have... AARP memberships, mm-hmm. and they're going to bed at 9 o'clock. Correct. Like it really Absolutely. Happens. That's that's real life. Yeah. That's that's what's happening. And then in a few years they sell the house and they get an R V and they tour the country. Why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally like two weeks ago my wife and I went out to eat and it was like on a Saturday and it was like four forty five and I'm looking around and I'm like Holy shit, honey. We're old. We're eating dinner at 4.45, getting the early bird special. What's happened to us? <laughs> well, you know, we got out of there before the main crowd got in. So Exactly. That is the entire point. Yes. I don't like people like I used to. Exactly. Let me get in. Let me get out. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Peopling is the hardest thing that I have to deal with on a day in and day out basis. And don't, don't ever threaten me with go big or go home because I will oh go home every single time. They'll turn around and your and your chair is spinning. That's how fast you left. <laughs> that's right. Because home is where I like to be. That's where my mm-hmm. things are. That's where my TV is. Where my dogs are. My wife. You know, that's that's the things that I like. Don't threaten mm-hmm. me with that because I will go home every time. Like one day won't even finish the sentence. She'd be like, "Really?" Exactly. <laughs> and I don't mean to brag, but I've been working from home for a year and a half now. I would. I don't want to like go Job back. The hut. <laughs> I, I would literally look like Job of the Hut. <laughs> I when I worked at home for two months and I gained twenty pounds because I spent oh, wow. every day putting food on the smoker. Every day I was I was making barbecue or homemade pizza I mean, or something. I I did I I I got far more snacking than I had ever done, like the first six months, and I was like, no, I'm feeling like a melting ice cream cone. This cannot happen. So, <laughs> so, so what do you do for a, a living these days? Where you're lucky to I, work from home. I am working. I do accounting reconciliation. Um, I work for um. HVAC and plumbing wholesale and distributor, one of the biggest mm-hmm. ones in the country. And we have the headquarters happens to be here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So that's actually where I was working out of. And, um, you know, when COVID came down last spring, they managed the center that we worked in. We actually handled most of the accounting duties for all the branches that we have nationwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, like AR, AP, things like that. It was all centralized in our building, and we had roughly 300 people. They managed to send us to the wind. 94 pennies sent us home within a week. Wow. That's how well prepared they were to get us out of the building. 
I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm I'm happy here. It's it's fine. So <laughs> I'm I'm torn. I like working at home, but my inability to focus. I focus mm-hmm. better in a in a work environment <laughs> than at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where like every little noise, I'm like, oh hey, there's a squirrel walking in the back there. Look at that. Oh, leaf blowing. Oh hey, what's that? Oh. Oh, crap. I haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And I did. I really felt like, you know, the little dog in Up, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I was, I had finally set up in the room above the garage and it faces, you know, the street in the driveway. Mm-hmm. So I'm busy plugging in numbers, typing away, and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, look, the FedEx truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It took me a while to be able to self-regulate. That was the toughest part. Yeah. I work in a museum, so pretty much they wanted us back in the building as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard for a museum to make money when it's closed. Correct. <laughs> now, I actually, working for the Historical Society is really neat. It's not every day that you get to see them do things like take out a gigantic glass wall and bring in a Vietnam-era Huey helicopter on a tele-extender and or have the, oh wow yeah or have the uh, I think it's the Apollo nineteen it didn't it wasn't part of the Apollo it ended up doing Skylab but they have an mm-hmm. Apollo capsule there on display where you work or one of Jim Thorpe's gold medals oh wow just stuff like that you know you it's a beautiful building but when you work there every day you don't necessarily notice it because you sort of become numb to it but yeah. a lot of cool perks of working in a museum I believe it I believe it. I have to put that on my list when I finally make it back there. Yeah, yeah. So. I know a guy that could get you in for free. Do you? I do. I mean, is there snacks involved? Probably. Could there be? I'm, okay. I may have a cabinet full of snacks. Okay, then my, it's a go. In my cubicle of excitement. but <laughs> It's a go. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a nice cafe in there, and then the pandemic hit. Of course, we were closed, and then when we opened back up, they came back, and there was just nobody coming to the building. Yeah. And so it's closed down. I didn't eat there all that much anymore. I usually bring my lunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, is there anything else? I don't. I know we mostly talked about childhood and actually talked about everything, really, I feel like. Is there anything mm-hmm. else yeah. that, you, that you want to add? I feel like this has been a very nice conversation, and it's nice to not have people's, you know yelling at each other and listening to each other. I agree. I agree. And and so, there's a few things. A lot of what you said, kind of, those are the kinds of things I'll take away with me and think about, I think, later on. Right. Especially what you said about not knowing exactly what and how to say when certain situations happen. So. Yeah, it, it really, it sounds weird, but I, I literally have been very conflicted because I don't want to seem like you know, well, he's just saying that because it's the trendy thing. But I want to no. say something, and so I'm torn. And then it's like, well, what if I say something, but then because I'm trying to be helpful, but my wording is wrong. <laughs> so I just it's ju- it's just it's just like you you said earlier. You're coming from a place of of decency and humanity. Right. That's where it starts. So if you're speaking about things like that from that perspective, you can't go wrong. And clearly, 
<coughs> excuse me, that was one of those incidences that was clearly precipitated by race. There's no question about it. But at the same time, just the lack of decency that that man was um, handled with. That even to this day, it just, yeah. it's outrageous. And then, you know, have it, the whole thing turned on its side. And, you know, once again, the excuse being made that he was, he was aggressive and he was being a threat and he had to get handled like that. It's just, it's nonsense. But when you see things like that and you feel the need to say something, it is just a matter just from speaking from the heart. Like you're looking at this and you're saying, this isn't right, period. Yeah. No matter who it's happening to. But keeping in mind, though, that unfortunately, the truth is it just happens to some people more often than others. Yeah. When it shouldn't. So when that happened last year, somebody commented and they said, well, you know, George Floyd had a record. And I looked at him like, you've been to jail yourself. What if this <laughs> happened to you? And somebody was like, well, you know, Frank had a record. So what? That doesn't make putting leaning on you on your neck on your juggler is okay. Who cares if you had a record? You still are a person. And you know what that man could have done? They could have set him in the back of that police car that they were leaning on his neck up against. Mm -hmm. They could have just put him in the back and been done. Yeah. And, and we can, and there's so many instances where that could have happened. And granted, nobody but those cops and that those people were there. There is that. But when it keeps happening in the, in the, it's almost the same narrative over and over and over and over again. You can't help but to say there's something wrong. This perspective is skewed somehow. Yeah. These people aren't being handled like they should be. They're getting looked at as an inherent threat right off the bat. Right. So that's – I don't know if that's something that's ever going to go away. Yeah. Honestly. Right. But that being said, I will say, though, that last year when the riots happened in Minneapolis, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life – and I know this – Probably makes me sound horrible, but there was a news station there, and they were recording as a target was getting looted, <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. this guy comes running out, and the only thing he had was a Bissell carpet cleaner and the carpet cleaning solution. And I just found that funny because I was like, "That's a man trying to get his deposit back." That is what heck yeah. <laughs> He's got pets. He got to yeah. clean up behind him. <laughs> yeah, that man went in there with a mission. I'm getting my $500 deposit back. There's a grape juice stain in the living room, and this is my opportunity to get it out. <laughs> That's wild. That's the only thing he came out with. And not that I'll – I can't – that's a complicated thing for me to answer. I understand the feeling behind it. I can't agree with going to do it, but I get it. Right. By all means, I get it. But it's just funny because, you know, people going by, you know, with 75-inch TVs – yeah. I got a carpet cleaner. <laughs> a carpet cleaner and some shampoo. Huh. Yeah. I, I just found that funny because it just seemed odd to me. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like when you when you, when you see something like that in the midst of all that chaos, it's it's the absurd thing sometimes that catch your attention. Yeah, that that's probably what it was. Mhm. Mm I was I just found it funny and I was just like that's the man that wants his deposit back. His girlfriend, her wife, is going to be very happy when he gets home. Anyway. She, she may be, because she may have expected something else. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but why did you bring home a TV? Something. 
Yeah. Oh, goodness. I, I, uh, I don't know if what that says about me as a person, but I, I mean, I won't. No, it's not anything bad. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that because I'm. I'm kind of one of the ones that notice weird things too, and, and people stop and look and be like, "What?" I'm like, "I'm serious, though." What? <laughs> so, crazy time we live in, Kenyatta. It's surreal. I mean, I I know I've overused that word in the last two years, but it's it's all been surreal. It I, really has been. I have uh, in the last, specifically probably the last five or six years, I don't know if I've gone a day without reading something in the news where I don't go what the fuck. <laughs> that, that's why my first episode of the podcast is called QAnon, or it's been zero days since I've said WTF. Yeah, I listened to that. I, w- I, was, I was very impressed. The research was thorough. I enjoyed that. <laughs> it, was, it was difficult to, uh, to narrow all of that down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I've, I've read maybe a handful of articles about that nonsense and trying to keep it straight just for clarity's sake. It's just like, oh, my gosh, what? The pizzeria? What? Oh, nope. Yeah. I just had to, I had to put it down and go outside and clear my head. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I know. And I did that. And then literally like last week I was watching something and some guy was talking about, no, it's some, it's some crazy woman. And she's talking about that. Not only that there are three people that are playing Joe Biden. You ready for this? A clone, some military general, Believe it or not, the clone part isn't the most ridiculous part of this. I believe you. And Jim Carrey. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, Ace Ventura himself is playing Joe Biden. Wow. Yeah, you would think that the clone would be the craziest part. No. It's no. It's Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he did him on Saturday Night Live, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. Mm. I don't like. I just yeah. When you know how you hear people say, "I hate it here." Yeah. I don't agree. I I still love it here. I just hate sharing this place with those kind of people. Yeah. Like we we breathe the same air, really. Dear God, I'm not saying I'm genius or that I know everything, or all my opinions are the best ones. But dear God, I know. <laughs> I don't. First of all, I don't think the federal government could afford Jim Carrey. Mm-mm. Number one. Number two, do you know how cloning works? No, they don't. They don't. They don't know. <sighs> Sorry. That's a whole other a whole other thing. It is. And I, I remember you had mentioned something about, you know, how they clone animals and they obviously clone them, you know, as babies and then they grow. Yeah. And that's interesting you said that because there was a, it was a show I watched a couple years ago that touched on cloning animals. And it was so strange because the doctor doing the cloning, she showed they were cloning little puppies. Mm-hmm. And she had the original puppy and then the clone. And then she holds them up for somebody else to look at. You know, do these two look alike? And the guy was like, yeah. She said, no. No, they don't look alike. So she hands the clone puppy off to somebody else and they walk out of the room. Then the guy's like, well, what's going to happen to it? Oh, we'll destroy it. I was like, what the? No. Dear God. <laughs> no, don't do that. I mean, it was a fictional show, but it was like, what? That's nuts. And then, of course, you know, I had to go online to see if that was a thing. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy time. We really, really do. I just, ugh. That's why I, I don't. I'm like you. I like I like me in the house. It's where all the things I like are. Amen. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've had a fun and exciting talk, and perhaps we can come back on and we can discuss more if you want. Yes, and I already have a topic in mind. Oh, we can do that. I uh, I because can... I heard how I I realized that you are a fan of things sci-fi. Oh. So. <laughs> Heck yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that is, well, you know what, I'm doing a special, I kind of have my year planned out, mm-hmm. what I wanted to do, but, so I was going to take June and August off of next year, but I was going to do some shows in July, that all about science, I figured I needed a nice month of nothing, but light, fun stuff like science fiction. Sure. So, would you like to come on and be a guest then, because I know that you're a fan of that stuff too. Of course I would. Yes, because I made because I remember. Oh, I was listening to one of your. It might have been the I can't remember which one it was. The first or the second mm-hmm. podcast of yours when you mentioned the reimagined BSG. Oh. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to watch it again. I try to watch it like once a year. <laughs> yeah, that is such an incredible show. One of my wife's biggest flaws is that she can't get past the opening of the uh, miniseries, and it just really hurts me. That she won't watch all four seasons. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to watch 16 and Pregnant with her, but that's different. <laughs> that's not the reimage Battlestar Galactic. You know what I mean? <laughs> one of those is serious, and the other one is completely fabricated. You talking about the opening scene where they're at the they're having the treaty meeting or whatever? It wasn't just the the opening scene. Like she considers the first half hour of it just too boring to watch. And I'm, I don't understand that. How can that be too boring to watch? Spoiler alert, if you've not watched the reimaged Battlestar Galactica, pause and fast forward about one minute. But I'm like, they kill like 10 trillion people on 12 different planets. How can you not find that compelling? That is the opposite of boring. I'm saying. How are these people, I mean, and, and granted, after maybe like my third or fourth time watching all the way through, I had pinned down, you know, who I didn't like, because I'm like that. I, like, I have a list of people I don't like, I have a list of people I really like, and then everybody else is just ambivalent. Right. And to this day, after watching as many times as I have, I have maybe, I can count on one hand my characters I really, really, really liked. Yeah. But the the, the, the development of them throughout the series. That's the key. That's the key. Oh, yeah. Every, For me. Every character had character development. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of people didn't like how it ended. Um, yeah. I I didn't have a problem with it. I think a lot of times when shows are sort of that grand and you try to end, it's almost impossible to end it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Breaking Bad is probably the best show that's ended. You know, had a that was like the perfect ending. I don't know if you ever watched Breaking Bad. I, I did, and it took me a while to get on board. But once I was on, I was on. And then that ending was that was one hundred percent perfect for those people. Put that way. Yeah, that, yeah. That was the that was the best ending of any show. 
Anyway. <laughs> but, but have you seen Six Feet Under? Mm. I have not. Mm. Now, that's a group of characters that will make you annoyed pretty much every episode. Mm -hmm. But you keep watching, and they have one of the best endings ever. I'm just saying. Okay. And I know you like Love. Lovecraft Country too, didn't you? Isn't that what it is? Yes, I absolutely adore it. Yes. Okay. It, it's on my list to watch, but I just haven't. I've been kind of busy. And that's one of those ones that kind of, that, interesting enough, that kind of relate to what we've been talking about today, mm -hmm. because it's set in 1955 mm -hmm. during segregation in Jim Crow. Right. So the main character's are African-American, African-American family dealing with horror and supernatural things and things of that nature. Um, but they have all that fictional stuff tied in with real-life mm -hmm. events and scenarios that were going on at that time in the country. So it's real educational mm -hmm. for someone that wants to learn about those. They, they talk about sundown towns in the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people did not know what that was until they saw it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what? So you're reminding me of something that that like I've talked about um, with my kids, and I'll just say this real quick, and then we can <laughs> sort of get off here. Um, yes. <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of people, you kind of look at like your teenage years in like maybe preteen years, sort of like an ideal time. And it's because, you know, you're hanging out with your friends. You don't have any responsibilities. That's when your taste in music is developed and your likes and everything. So you look at that time frame. It's like you idealize it. So like, you know, you and I, we probably like, you know, the 80s. And so I think for a lot of boomers, when they hear Make America Great Again, they're thinking, oh, yeah, that'll be like the 50s. And the 50s were great. Well, the uh -huh. 50s were great if you were white. Yes. If you weren't, <laughs> I don't think that segregation and Jim Crow laws is something that you would look back on fondly. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, so you have a, a whole segment of the population that are like, they want to take us back to that. And other people are like, no, 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 the 50s weren't. They were great. And it's like, no, no it wasn't. <laughs> That's just a theory I have. <laughs> I don't know if I have any backing for that, but I know that there is a large segment of the population that the 50s is not an ideal time for you. I mean, you're absolutely right, and, and, and you're on point because I've, I've read think pieces about that very thing, you know, about the nostalgia that a certain segment of the population wants to put in time gone by. And the rest of us are sitting here like, no, no, thanks, but no. I, if I had a time machine, I would not go back. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I, you know, I love the Earth, Wind, and Fire song, Let's Groove Tonight, mm -hmm. but I can't watch the video. <laughs> have you seen that video? Yes, I have. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The clothes Woo. and the hair. <sighs> that was a statement. Yes. I will listen to that song all day, every day. Because that, that video is what is like the epitome of how music videos were there. Yeah. They really were. If you, if you want to drag me in, have robot sounds in your song. <laughs> and with oh, that, goodness. I think we should probably wrap up. 
Alrighty then. <laughs> I will uh, get with you when it's time to record some uh, science fiction talk. We can have a talk that's not so deep. I appreciate you coming on. And again, I thank you for inviting me. I enjoy myself very much. Yeah, it was really nice. I think that it was a nice conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we had it. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the, my, my 12 listeners <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it and get something out of our conversation. You know, hey, and if we want to have another serious talk, we can do that too. I'm, I'm down. I'm definitely open to that, yes. And and I just I just want to add to that it may sound simple, but the fact that you didn't get embarrassed and you were open to listening, that is key. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds it sounds like it should go without saying, but it's 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 it really not. So many people can't do that. Right. So that's one of those things that that's key when you talk about needing to to try to to bring some peace to all this. So I just thought I'd add that in. So. I, I just look at it like I don't know what I don't know. And the only way I can know is ask and talk. And if somebody says this is my viewpoint, that's your viewpoint. I can't tell you that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. How you see the world. And I yep. need to learn from it. Just like everybody needs to learn from yep. everything. So I've enjoyed talking to you. And I'm going to go ahead and end the show where I the way I do. It's my tradition. Okay. And uh, that's uh, just remember everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, hit that like button, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable and we welcome it. If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com, slash Kenyatta-Jack-Save-The-World, or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of Hyper Focus Podcasts.